So when you optimize your structure and you become more acute about your financial flow, now you potentially have a business that will always make money. The question is, have you connected with the market you're trying to serve in a way that people see you as the logical choice? Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Helping People Perform podcast. Delighted to be joined today all the way from the States. We've got business and executive coach, president and founder of Growth Source Coaching, and another podcast host, well, uh, host of the Business Wingmen podcast, I believe a tandem project with your son as well. So uh, absolutely, well, welcome to the show today, Steve Smith. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, absolute pleasure. And I know we've had a great chat uh, prior to this and lots to cover, I'm sure, as we go through here. But uh, we always start with um, a bit of backstory. What got you to where you are today? It was a very, what I would consider kind of a serendipitous journey, meaning a lot of the things that propelled me forward in my career, I didn't necessarily see coming in the moment. Right. Um, but uh, I enjoyed a very, very good 30-year career in a rather large industry here in the United States and pretty much other parts of the world uh, called the consumer products industry and worked for four very large corporate entities and and did well, Uh, ended up out here on the West Coast. Uh, But in 2008, it just kind of all came to an end. Um, I think for a lot of industries and people at that time, there was a lot of transition. I certainly had was done with the travel way too much of that 18 years worth of that And so I really, at that point said, you know what, there's got to be something else that is a better match for me, something I could personally feel just totally energized about. Problem is, I didn't know what that was. And uh, after kind of milling around in in networking forums on a local basis, I ran into a woman whose job was to help former large company executives figure out what a good small business model match for them would look like. She was the one who introduced me to coaching. And after I kind of got familiar with it, you know, got certified in it, I ended up buying a franchise, a very small franchise, loved them, loved their whole philosophy. Problem was they just weren't big enough to make it. I mean, in in the franchise space, if you're not at four or 500 franchises, either domestically or U.S. and Canada, you probably it's going to be tough. And, And at the height, these guys were like 28 franchises. So in March of 2011, they filed bankruptcy. And I was either left with trying to find a job back in my industry, which is where a lot of other people went, Mm. or pursue what I had already decided was my future calling. So I kind of privatized all the information I'd gotten from them, and I set up my own shop, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, in the moment, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, all the money that I lost buying into a franchise that went bankrupt. But as it turned out, it, it could not have been a better move. Wonderful. So that's that's how I kind of got to what I'm doing today. <laughs> <laughs> and and I know from our previous conversations, this wasn't necessarily your first business that you've had. It, it, your first one goes back to uh, quite a number of years ago, doesn't it? Oh, oh yeah. It, when I was a kid, when I was nine years old, um, I had already had this entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I mean, it, of course, we we grew up middle class family. 
uh, my dad was pretty fiscally responsible and, and his whole idea of training us up was basically, if you want it bad enough, you'll go find the money to make it, make right. it work. And so we did a lot of jobs. We we're always looking for ways to make money. And I was playing with some kids across the street and I saw this lady, the next door neighbor lady, lugging these giant like parcels of old newspapers, and magazines out in her backyard and then piling them up and leaving them there. And I went over to her and I said, you know, why are you putting all this stuff out here? I mean, it's raining on it. It looks, it really looks bad. It's a big mess. She goes, I'd love to get rid of it, but the trash people won't take it. So I walked across the street and I thought, I wonder how many other people have the same problem. <laughs> so that next week I started recycling newspapers, old newspapers and magazines. And at nine years old, I mean, I was making 10 times as much as the allowance I was getting from my parents every week to just do chores around the house. So the kind of entrepreneurial spirit at that point was born in me. The problem was I just never knew where it would really manifest itself in later life. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, at 52, it showed up there and, and I'm glad it did at that point because it, it was the right time and the right place. And I was ready for it. Yeah. Well, uh, having a nine year old myself, I know that, uh, um, not all the children have that entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> as we say, I remember a story, um, a few years ago now actually it must have been about uh, maybe four years ago so my son was still fairly young and i said right we've, we had a big oak tree in the back garden at the time and the acorns were falling down massive bumper season just causing a right um uh problem in the back garden it was just too far too many and i said to him right. i'll give you one pence for every acorn you pick up they wow. let, let, let's see and there were hundreds of these things you could have, <laughs> could have made a fortune i think after about 40 minutes he had 23 pence <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> he was just picking them up. He was fascinated by them, taking apart and having a look. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> what as you grow and as you get more of a, an idea as to what money means to you and and what drives you, you start to get a, a, a real idea as to what you're willing to do for that money, isn't it? It's a well, and you know the other thing, and I constantly have to remind myself of this. But I grew up in an era pre-internet, pre-cell phone, pre-technology of any kind. Okay. Yeah. So when you're a kid and you don't have those things readily available to occupy your time, it's amazing what you will spend your time thinking about yeah. and, and, and attempting to do. Yeah. And so as a result, we got into all kind of stuff that made money for us as kids mm. because that we had a lot of idle time. So you either figured that out or you ended up sitting on the curb and watching other kids play basketball. Oh, wonderful stuff. So tell us a bit more about what you do today. You know, who do you help? How do you help them? All right. So today I have a business and executive coaching company here in Orange County, which is in Southern California. And my target audience are small business owners, you know, people that have pretty much already gotten their business to some point of, of revenue positive. You know, they're not totally entrepreneurial. They've already gotten it off the ground, but they're, they're having trouble managing it and growing it. Uh, on the other side, I work with uh, company executives, you know, people at the director of VPC level who are embedded in larger companies and are just having difficulty kind of owning that role, being confident in driving what they're supposed to do in that role. Right. So they kind of stagnate, they hide a little bit, you know, and, and eventually somebody kind of comes to them and says, look, if you need help, we need to find you somebody to help tune you up. That's when I get the home calls. Yeah. So. Everything I do is business related. If somebody calls me and they've got a marriage problem, I'm not the person. Right. You know, I, it's all business. It's all professional and it's all coaching. So, you know, sometimes depending on the conversation, you can find yourself kind of wafting into that therapist territory. 
Mm. Uh, because therapy is largely looking back to figure out what went wrong. Coaching is largely looking forward to figure out what's possible. Yeah. And so I have to I have to make sure I kind of hold a hard line on that because I'm not a therapist. I'm not licensed to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't be very good at it. <laughs> um, but, you know, business is, is it's life and business. You know, those two kind of intertwine. So yeah. you have to kind of help clients kind of focus and, and work on the things that are going to genuinely help them going forward. And quite often, uh, I speak from personal experience here and, and from experience of a lot of people I know, particularly in the small business sector, the reason you're going and off on your own and, and having a business in that is so connected to the lifestyle that you want to, to have and the life that you want to give Absolutely. to your family as well. Yeah. That and uh, one of the industries I came out of was notorious for people leaving the industry as an employee and starting up their own business as a potential customer of that industry because it right. was a kind of a B2B industry. And I saw a lot of real well-meaning, knowledgeable people jump over that fence. Hmm. And when they got over on the other side and they realized, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for the revenue. You know, I have to generate the money to pay for the business I've started, the employees I've hired, yeah. you know, the service I'm providing. It just changes completely. And unfortunately, a lot of them either didn't think about it or didn't see it coming. Mm. And that's usually what causes them to to kind of wash out. Right. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, the business models and helping people with that, you know, that, that sort of what does that typically look like for your clients? And what do you bring to the table to help them with that? Um, I'm a big proponent on being really fiscally observant of how your business runs. Right. And so, you know, many times you'll have a, an owner, you know, they've got an accountant on the inside or they're hiring a bookkeeper and the bookkeeper sends them, you know, reports every month. And at the end of the year, it all goes to the CPA. So it, they've kind of relegated that whole financial flow to more of a paperwork status. Mm. And so what I'll do many times with people who need to really understand why they're not making the money they should be is every industry and every type of business has a range of an acceptable profit. Yeah. And, and if you're not in that range, most of the time they're like, I'm working my brains out. You know, I've got all this stuff going on. People tell me I'm doing a good job, but you know, the industry makes 15 to 18% a year and I'm making two and I don't understand that. Right. And so I will take them through the whole look of where does, you, how do you make your money? You know, when it comes in, what happens to it? Where does it go along that path as it runs through your business and help set them up with kind of financial benchmarks that they can look at and watch it to make sure it's not leaking out in a place that it shouldn't be. Mm. So financial acuity is one. The other thing is just the structure of the business. Right. Uh, most of the time people build a business based on need. You know, I need a salesperson. I'm going to hire a salesperson. I need another person working in the factory. I'm going to hire a person for that. I need an assistant because I can't keep up with all my own stuff. So I hire an assistant. And at, at some point, they just accumulate an entity full of people, and it's never really been thought through. Right. And so what I'll do is I'll help them create what I call a future organization chart, meaning if you could develop this thing from scratch any way you wanted, what would it look like? And then mm -hmm. put it on paper, and let's see what you've got on paper versus what you're dealing with in reality and figure out how to bring the two together. Yeah. So when you optimize your structure and you become more ac acute about your financial flow, now you potentially have a business that will always make money. The question is, have you connected with the market you're trying to serve in a way that people see you as the logical choice? Right. 
Uh, yeah, um, uh, one of the things I've, I've noted down here, and I'm, I'm, I've seen in a lot of people that I've worked with, clients, or with, uh, with people I've just worked alongside in the past, that area, particularly for small businesses, and maybe it's the same for large businesses as well, is um, once you start getting people like accountants and finance people involved, if you're a business owner or a business leader, the temptation to say, right, I've got an expert in that field, I don't need to think about it. There's a difference between um, abdicating responsibility and totally. keep it, keeping your finger on the pulse and being and maintaining the direction of that piece, isn't it? Yes, and that is a that's a big, big problem for a lot of small businesses because if you listen to a lot of these small business entrepreneurial gurus, that you know they're they're all over the place. They're in this country. They're everywhere. Um, they will always tell people your ultimate job is to work yourself out of a job. Right. You know, if you're going to be a true entrepreneur, you're going to build it up. You're going to extricate yourself from it, let it run by itself, go off and start something else. And in theory, that's that's a great idea. OK, mm -hmm. in practice, though, I find and I get a lot of clients who come to me and say, you know, I, I've gotten away from the business to such an extent. I don't I don't really I'm not really in touch with it anymore. Right. I don't really know what's going on. And so I'm trying to get back in. It's like they're, it's like they're in front of a, a restaurant with their hands and their nose pressed up against the glass, but they, they don't seem to have any effect on what's going on inside. And everybody in there has changed the recipes and all the all the dishes. And, you know, everything's different than when they left it. Right. So I agree with you. It, you can you can distance yourself from the day to day and you should. Hmm. But you should always have your finger on the pulse of every function in your business. You don't have to be an expert in it. But you have to know enough to be able to ask the right questions. Yeah, brilliant. And and this is probably the reason for the success of shows like Undercover Boss as well, isn't it? Because it just one, it's good entertainment when you see that, right. and some some really crappy disguises as well in some right. of those bits. But just right. that that element of somebody so out of touch with their organisation and what happens on the shop floor, whatever that might be, that yes. once they start to see what's actually happening, you can see that sort of mindset shift going on. You go, I really don't know this business, do I? And uh, you've well, got to know what's and, happening in your organization. Right. And the, and the only way to really, to the best of anyone's ability to insulate yourself from that problem is from day one to have a real clear vision about what your company is to the marketplace mm. and where it's going, right. what its ultimate destination looks like. And then from there, make sure you're cultivating a culture in that company as to this is how we operate. Right. This is how we work together. This is what we do. This is the policy we follow. And if you've got that really set in stone and you've hired people that buy into that and they're not kind of rogue rogue agents, you know, doing their own thing, then if as you get older and you decide you want to, maybe you want to leave that and start something else. Or here's what I see a lot of times. Companies are doing really well. They're making a lot of money. All of a sudden, an opportunity comes up for that owner to buy a related business and, and expand or scale up their business through acquisition. Yeah. So they do it. Now they're spending all their time in the new business, learning it, learning the people there, trying to figure out a way to plug it into the one they have. Well, guess what business is having to finance all that? It's the business they started. It's the one they've left. And so many times I see that happen. And because they're not tethered enough to the core business that, that they're trying to bolt the new one onto, while they're building the new one up, the old, the, the, the original one is starting to decay. Right. So it is, it, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a balancing act, but 
if you do a, right, a few of the right things early on, you can insulate yourself from having that kind of disaster later on. Right. Oh, wonderful. And uh, the other thing I, I wanted to touch on the um, the podcast that you do. I mean, obviously, I'm in the world of podcasting. I, I like to, right. to hear people's things. But you talk about um, business wingmen. That's your your podcast. And not only that, but you're uh, co-hosting it with your son, Travis, I believe. Yes, um, I I was doing this with a with another colleague uh, for a couple of years, and um, he got to the point where he wanted to retire. He wanted to move to another state, uh, and so you know he left, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, what do I do with this? And just about the same time, my son said, hey, you know, I'd like to come on and be your co-host. And so I thought, well, this is really cool because you know we have, I mean, obviously we're two different generations. Um, you know, he's got his own business; he does very well with it. But he brings a little different perspective to a lot of the professional subjects that we talk about, leadership and, and, and you know, management and hiring and, and how do you deal with conflict in the workplace. And we, we have all these kind of topics. So we kind of banter back and forth and talk about them. And it's very conversationally driven. But we I, and, you know, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I've done my research. We're the only father son podcast on the Internet today. Right. And so, you know, we try to we try to blow that up a little bit because it's a little unusual, but it's a great it's a great way for me to work with him without us actually being in the same business together. Yeah, no, it, it's so, so common that people have that sort of generational organization or you, you come in and you, you, you're there and you start brought, brought into the operations and you brought the, all the way up. But to have that business connection whilst also having separate businesses, I think that's yeah. a great way of keeping your independence whilst also working right. together and, and building that relationship there. It's fantastic. Right. It's working for us. So we're, uh, we're, we just launched uh, episode 102 yesterday. So uh, I feel like we're starting to get into some legitimate territory because <laughs> we passed the 100 mark. Well, congrats on that. That's a, that's a milestone. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so if I was to shift it around a bit and say, how do you get help with your performance? Where do you go? that helps you perform at your best? Actually, right now, I'm part of a coaching organization here. Uh, it's predominantly California driven, but it's an association of coaches and we get together. In fact, we just had a retreat uh, a couple of weekends ago. I'm in a, in a small group of four. And so we met off site for a whole weekend and we just dove into our individual businesses and, and you know, came up with a lot of brainstorming and things like that. But the the online association is constantly throwing out ideas and, and tools and things like that. And so um, that's that's a great resource because it gives you a chance to see what other people are doing. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that what they're doing is what you should be doing, mm -hmm. but it does give you an idea of just how wide this field is and how many different approaches people are taking yeah. to try to deliver the same outcome for their clients. Definitely. And it's the whole purpose of, of this podcast was the, you know, this theme of others who help others perform. Once you start peeling the skin back, there's so many different ways. And even if you just get into coaching, it's like is right. it business coaching, as you say, marriage coaching, executive coaching, lifestyle coaching, all sorts of different areas that it covers. And uh, it's important to find your niche as well, isn't it? And, uh, and yeah, I, I and, and I didn't come up with this, but I adopted it once it was explained to me many years ago. It's better to be an inch wide and a mile deep than a mile wide and an inch deep. Right. Because if you're a mile wide and an inch deep, you're kind of a, a jack of all trades, but you're not a master of anything. Right. And so when the, when the franchise that I bought into originally went bankrupt, I realized that one of the things that, that 
that I learned in my corporate life was leadership and management practices that pretty much work in any environment. And those were not things that were really talked about a lot in this, this particular franchise. They were really big on startups, right. you know, sales and marketing, and make sure you got your head in the game and everything will be okay. And as I started attracting larger companies, I realized they were kind of beyond that. What they needed help with was running the organization and figuring out how to bring the right people up through the organization so they'd have a leadership succession plan. Right. And many of them just were having struggles, struggles with that. So when I started building that into my operation and helping people figure out how to get through those transitory you know, areas where they've got big growth spurts or they've got critical issues that could threaten the, the business unless they do a couple things right, that's kind of where I found my niche. And that's what a lot of people come to me now today for is help, being able to figure out how to turn the business around or how to upgrade it mm. so they can either attract better employees or their management team can be a lot more savvy about how to run the, uh, the operations of the business. Oh, wonderful. Oh. Um, <laughs> and do you typically work um, like uh, geographically? Are you you're focused on Orange County, California? Do you go beyond? How do you I, I do a lot of my marketing because online, everything is kind of geotagged, right? So there's a location to everything. So much of my marketing is Orange County based. But I have clients in related counties, uh, in other states. Uh, I'm still working with a company that's located in uh, uh, Mallorca, Spain. Nice. Uh, I've had clients from Canada. Um, actually, several years ago, it's been a while now, but I had two different companies I was working with. Both were located in the UK. So as long as people can speak English, and most everybody does to some level, um, I can help them. Um, there's probably only a few company or countries where I have not had exposure before. Interestingly enough, Latin America was one of them. I haven't worked with anybody in that continent, mm. but every other continent, you know, including Northern Europe and, and even some parts of Russia, I have worked with companies over the years. Oh, fantastic. And so let's ask this question then. If, um, if you were able to use your skill set to work with or help any sort of individual team, group, organization, who would you want that to be? Okay, this is going to be really controversial, okay? <laughs> Good opening. Yes. If I had the, the access and the opportunity to sit and work with an individual, I would pick our former president, Donald Trump. I think I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah. He, he really had some genuinely great ideas about how, how to improve our country. But his delivery and his, his, just his interpersonal style when it came to talking to the public or talking to the media or things was just atrocious and pretty much is what killed him off, you know, in his ability to get reelected. And if I could sit with him and talk to him about tuning up his delivery so that it was more in keeping with what I know is in his heart, then he would have been a much, much better public figure and would not have created the, the sheer amount of divisiveness that we lived through for much of his, his presidency. Right. Yeah, he's an interesting character. You're not the first person to, to, to say that, actually, uh, to work <laughs> with or, or to learn from, which is the, the next question, because there is so much to learn from all sorts of people and, and you can you can gain so much, you can you can give so much in that space. So let's switch that question around a little bit to you then. If you could sit down and learn from have a drink, have a coffee, have a meal with somebody so that you could learn from them. Who would you want that to be? 
You know, one of the people that I follow today on the internet, because I just love his, his perspective on how he sees things, um, and I believe he's from Canada, uh, but his name is Simon Sinek. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, he's well known in certain circles. Uh, yeah. My son and, and I follow him uh, pretty much on a regular basis. But I just really enjoy how he explains things and how he looks at things and yeah. the way he's able to kind of go below the surface and talk about some of the, the core issues that, that create what we all see and live with, you know, in our, in our work environments. He would be one I would love to, to spend dinner with and really just pick his brain and, and, and get, some, get some insight from him. That would yeah. be the guy. Yeah. No, he's, he's amazing. And I think it was one of my first forays into that world of, you know, somebody showed me that start with why uh, video. And I was just like, whoa, this is mind blowing. But when right. he, he's the sort of guy who, when he explains something, as you say, it's so simple that it's like, well, of course, that's that's definitely it's always the case. But nobody else has got there yet in terms of bringing right. it through. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and we've actually been using that. I think there's another. I don't know if it's his work or not, but he articulates it really well about that difference or the, the similarities between being nervous and being excited, and sort of talking to yourself and saying, well, if I'm about to give a speech and I feel nervous, my heart's racing, my palms are sweaty, I'm, I'm getting a bit jittery. What's the difference between that and being excited? Well, if I'm excited, my heart's racing, my palms are sweaty, I'm ready to go. I'm just in a more positive mindset. And that. And we, we were talking to my son the other day that on the very thing, you know, he was going into something that was very big. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, remember, Alex, you know, you're not nervous, you're excited. Right. I'm not nervous, I'm excited. I'm not nervous. You just, and, you've just got to change your internal tape, tape yeah. loop, you know, and just, yeah. But no, he, he does those kind of things. Some of his best videos talk about, uh, and one, he, I don't know what company he was talking about or an industry in general, but he was talking about uh, perspective and empathy. Right. And it was just a fabulously delivered speech on, on how to reach people and how to get people's trust and loyalty in a large organization by just doing things a little differently. You know, yeah. just, just looking at the individual as opposed to their, their name and their role and what they're responsible for producing that day. Oh, wonderful! I'd, I'd I'd like to join you at that meal. See what see where the conversation goes. I'll ask him if he'll if he'll eat oh, with two. Good, good man. <laughs> <laughs> and and finally, then, how do people find out more? How do people get in touch? Um, where do people find the the podcast? And uh, and how do people find out more about your organization? You know, the best place to learn everything you you need or want to know about me is just to go to my website. It's growthsourcecoaching.com. Um, I've got lots of videos on there, um, articles, you know, my podcast is also embedded in my website. Yep. If you want to go to the podcast site, it's businesswingmen.com. But what we found just through looking at our own uh, analytics is because we're tapped into so many other podcast platforms, you know, like Apple and Google and Spotify and all that, you know, people just pick it up wherever they tend to live for all of their music and their other podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you go. If you just type that in, you'll find us. Yeah. But the, the growth source coaching site is really the best place to go. And if after you look at everything that I talk about and, and the stuff I write about, if you feel like I'm somebody that you could potentially work with, uh, you know, my phone number's on every page, my, uh, my, uh, you know, my email is in the contact section. I have people just call me out of the blue, you know, and want to chat about things like that. And that's totally fine. I, I try to make a lot of different ways depending on, you know, depending on people's preference yeah. to reach yeah. out. All I ask is if you think I can help you, 
reach out. We can chat. I'll tell you right off the bat if I can or if I can't. I had a call yesterday with a young gentleman, and I gave him everything I could think of that he could do on his own. And I said, go out and try it. Yeah. You know, spend three or four months working on it by yourself. And if you really feel you can't do it by yourself, call me back and we'll, we'll work something out. Yeah. But I really ultimately want people to, to succeed because they've figured out what's the best route for them. And if I'm part of that, that's the place to find me. Brilliant. And I've said this before on other episodes as well, you know, uh, most, if not all of my guests say something similar in terms of do reach out, be, come get in touch, uh, drop me a line, set up a, um, a call, whatever it might be. And just actively encourage people to do that because so many of us think, man, maybe it's not for me and maybe that's not the right thing. Have a conversation. If it isn't, yep. as, you know, as Steve's just said here, it's, you know, people, particularly coaches, I find, are very good at saying, actually, this isn't the right fit. You know, I, I, I can add value, but this sounds like that's not your challenge or I'm, that's not yep. my area of expertise. And once yeah. every and everybody's had this happen, but once you go through a couple of client relationships that you look back on and realize, wow, that was a disaster. You know, the problem was I wasn't good enough to see that in advance. Right. Once you start developing that sixth sense about what the client needs, kind of what they sound like they're willing to do and whether your style will actually help them or not, it's real easy to say, you know what, I know exactly what you're looking for, but I'm probably not the best person for you. Let me help you find somebody that will work you know, with your style or what you're actually looking for. And to me today, that's as important as signing up a client because if I know that person will ultimately succeed some point in the future, I'm gonna get a call from them saying, hey, I remember our call and I've got a friend who I think you could work with. Yeah. And so it, it, you know, the longer you stay in the game, the more this stuff ends up kind of circling back to you. Oh, that's wonderful stuff, Stephen. I've, I've loved the conversation and I think you're doing some great work and, uh, and a brilliant example of how to take experience from a different in industry, make that shift and then make it work for so many people as well. So thanks so much for being on the show today, Steve Smith. Paul, thank you for having me. This has been a wonderful discussion. And, uh, and, and I think as we talked you know, a couple of weeks before, um, you know, I have fond memories of England because I, I grew up there. And uh, you know, I haven't been back in a long time. One of these days, hopefully I get back there. But thanks for bringing me into your world for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> okay. Well, next time you're over here, you look me up and we'll-, we'll I certainly will. <laughs> okay. Cheers, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review, and share. I'm Paul Teasdale, and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.